G'day and welcome to the Noob Spiro podcast, wherever you are in the world. I'm your host, Turbo, and more importantly, you are a passionate Spiro that wants to become a safer, more sustainable, more selective, and a just an all-round better underwater hunter. And that's what we do here at the Noob Spiro podcast. We interview the world's best Spiros and pump them for their tips, tricks, and advice. That is such a mouthful, so that we can all get better at spearfishing. Now, today's no different. Today, we have an absolute legend on the line with us. We're talking with none other than South African Kevin Daly. Now, Kevin Daly has speared every part of the globe, pretty much. He's done uh, South Africa, Australia, the Mediterranean, the UK, just to name a few. And uh, he's an absolute treasure trove of information. Now, we talked to Kevin about comp diving and why he's such an effective comp diver over there in the UK. We talk about those cold water UK species. We talked to him about his Spanish mackerel world record that he held for quite some time. Um, and that was a 36.8 kg Spanish mackerel that he shot there in South Africa. We also talked to him about shooting those flighty dentex in Europe. So uh, he's done it all, and we ask all the right questions today. I'm pretty happy with this episode. We get a lot of good information out of him, a lot of good tips. Uh, I won't waste any more of your time. Let's throw it over to Shrek and get into today's episode with Kevin Daly. Guys, Spearing Magazine, join the Noob Spiro podcast. They've got some of the best contributors in the world. They've got stories from all corners of the globe. And if you're interested in uh, contributing something, you can head along to spearingmagazine.com. Head up there to the top right corner, get into the menu, and there's become a contributor to Spearing Magazine. Now, some of the guests on our show have been our, our contributors, or they regularly contribute. We've had Jesse Cripps, Michael Takash, and Ted Hardy contributes a regular section. It's probably the best quality magazine, pound for pound, in the world so get in there check out the photography it's an awesome heavyweight magazine you can also get the digital edition so head over to spearingmagazine.com to learn a bit more join them on social facebook insta or youtube guys if you're in need of some new equipment maybe a new gun some fins or anything else you can think of check out spearfishing.com.au that's the online store for adreno they have got a huge range of gear anything you could ever think of and not only that, if you use the code NoobSpiro at checkout, so go to checkout, it'll say enter a code, put in NoobSpiro, and you'll save yourself $20 on all purchases over $200. So do yourself a favour, get on to spearfishing.com.au, save yourself some money and get some great gear. G'day, Noobers. Welcome to the NoobSpiro podcast. You're joining Turbo and Kung Fu Panda in studio as we interview Kevin Daly. <laughs> <laughs> He's a uh, South African now residing in the UK. He's the six times UK champion and it's uh, it's an absolute pleasure to have him join us today. He's finished a long shift at work and he's tucked up in an Airbnb somewhere over there in, in the UK. So w- welcome Kevin and uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you Trek, thank you Turbo and uh, hello listeners. Alright Kev, give us a little bit of background about yourself. Where are, you, where are you living in the UK now and sort of maybe take us right back to the start of your spearfishing journey which I believe was... And uh, Durban, is that right? Uh, no, it oh, goes a bit okay. further back than that. It goes to, to Cape Town. Um, I currently wow. am living in, uh, in, in Portsmouth in the, on the south coast of England. Um, I moved to England in 2001, at the end of 2001. Um, so I've been living um, in the country since then, most of the time in, in, in Portsmouth. But I, I started uh, spearfishing, oh, well, the first time I ever went spearfishing was I was about 10 or 11. I went with my dad. Um, 
that was in Cape Town. And he, he bought me a, a little wetsuit and a, a cheap little gun, which is about 50 centimeters long. And um, <laughs> it took me out a few times. Um, but it was, it was really underpowered, this gun, and, and, and blunt as anything. So it tended to, the spear just tended to like, move the little fish out the way rather than actually go through him. So um, <laughs> I think, I think in, the, in, the, in the times that I went with my dad, I don't think we even landed a fish even. Oh, and wow. then, uh, yeah, and, and, and so we got some, you know, we used to get uh, perlimon or, or what you guys call abalone, or um, we got some crayfish yep. as well. Um, so we did that sort of yep. thing. And then um, moved house and went to another city um, with my parents um, and didn't really get into spearfishing again um, until uh, during university. And um, one, of my, one of my good mates uh, from, from Zimbabwe, he, uh, he went out and he decided to, he was going to give uh, spearfishing a try. So he went out and, okay. and, and he bought a gun. And uh, he bought a, a gun that was bigger than the gun I had. So I thought, well, can't have that. So I went out <laughs> and I bought an even bigger gun. <laughs> and then we, then we went out a, a, a few times and, um, yeah, got, got into it then. Um, and then eventually um, moved to Durban, and that's when it, it you know, it really took off for me, and uh, and uh, used to go do it a lot, you know. So with the uh, change to the bigger gun, you had a bit more success, and and maybe the change in location was there more species available there. Um, yeah, well, it, it it was in Cape Town as well, um, where where I was in university. Um, to be okay. honest, I couldn't load I couldn't load the bigger gun, um, so. I, <laughs> I still had to get my friend to actually load it for me, and then then I'd try and shoot fish. And um, over time, I obviously learned how to load the gun, but uh, I just had to get the technique right. But, um, yeah, we were just getting into these uh, little fish called uh, Hot and Tot and, and Red Roman and that. Um, you know, just uh, okay. plentiful fish that are plentiful and, yeah. uh, and easy to shoot, you know. Uh, I suppose it's yep. sort of the, the cannon fodder for, for most beginners, that sort of fish. Yeah, yeah, and and when you and when you do start off, you still enjoy shooting them and eating them as well. So yeah, yeah absolutely. Ah, cool. my, the first one I actually got was 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 pretty small, but I was absolutely stoked about it. <laughs> All right, and it sounds like from South Africa you moved to Australia for a little while, and uh, I believe you held the world record for king mackerel or Spanish mackerel for a while. Yeah, that's right. Um, that was just before I moved to Australia. I was uh, living in Durban for I think about four years. I lived there. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it, it was just—it's fantastic diving up there. Um, and um, of course, there's the sardine run, um, which occurs sort of mid midwinter, um, June, July, uh, around that time. The, the shoals of, of sardines migrate up the coast, and, and you get—you uh, get, if you're lucky enough, you get um, some game fish or whatever. And of course, there's sharks and everything with it. So it's exciting stuff. And um, mm. the one, I think it was 2000, um, I was diving with a friend of mine on the south coast, uh, about 100 kilometers south of, of Durban. And, uh, yeah, we were swimming out and um, just uh, doing a few downs, trying to find a hot spot with some fish. And um, mm. we had seen a, 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 a nice big Spanish mackerel the, the week before. Um, so I was on the lookout yeah. for them. And... Uh, I was just uh, coming off the bottom um, and sort of looking around to make sure that uh, nothing was around me. And then this, uh, this big mackerel went and uh, sort of came past around oh, from, nice. the, from the back. And I just uh, luckily managed to get a shot in it. And yeah, I only had nice. a, a, 
I only had a tiny little float at the time. I mean, it was probably a five-liter float or something. And uh, <laughs> so uh, I, at, at that stage, I was also uh, diving with a float line um, onto, you, you, you know, attached to the gun. So I let the gun go, went up, grabbed the, grabbed the float because I had my car keys on the float as well. And uh, just uh, <laughs> gave me one, one hell of a tow. Um, eventually subdued that. And, um, <laughs> and we... Um, and we got a, a couple of a couple of other fish, and um, got our bag of crayfish, and then decided to to, yep. to swim in in case uh, any of the sharks uh, decided to take a bite because uh, it looked like it was going to be a big fish. <laughs> so yeah it, it, yeah, it ended up being the um, the world record for a, a short period of time. Um, it's yeah, yeah. Uh, it's been broken it a number all- of times in, uh, by guys in Australia. Because um, yeah. I think on the on your west say, coast you get them. So I was going to say that's a hotly contested um, record. Turbo did a write up about it a few years ago, and I remember seeing your name in there. And uh, I, yeah. I believe your fish was like nearly thirty-seven kilo, and uh, which is about eighty pound for some of our American yeah. listeners. Probably actually a bit more, isn't it, Kevin? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I, I, I don't I don't work in pounds <laughs> myself, but it's something like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, that's a bloody bloody good fish. Yeah, that would have taken you for a tow. Yeah, oh yeah, it, did. it was like a, a bit of a wake. I even had to hold on to my mask, you know. Uh. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's surprisingly, it's, it's still actually the um, the South African record. Record. I mean, the the world record went years ago, um, and it's been broken yeah. many times, as as we mentioned. But uh, it still happens mm. to be the the South South African record. Um, I'm quite pleased with that. It's, it's th- surprising because I mean, it's it's a nice big fish, but it's. It's not that big, you know. They they do get quite a bit bigger. Um, I know a few people, including myself, who have seen ones that are almost certainly bigger than that. Um, but just to date, yeah. um, they haven't been landed in, in South African waters. So, yeah, it still stands. Who would have known? I did, I did like your story when I read it. And it, it says on the, um, on the records page that you shot the fish and you are staked with it. But you still had to go and get your quota of craze before you went in. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> really good. Yeah. Uh, for sure. For yeah, sure. I like that too, actually. It was just like, you know, like oh, you had well. your priorities Whatever. right, didn't you? So, yeah, that no, was awesome. So, okay. So, yeah, so you finished up um, university. You moved to Durban. Um, you came over to Australia. When, what year was that? And... Uh, I've got some notes here. It says you moved to Australia for a year and you were based in Cairns um, and you're freediving for shells and sea cucumbers. So you actually worked over here, did you? Yeah, that's right. Um, I got a, a one-year w- uh, working visa and um, I came over to Australia at the end of 2000 um, until the end of 2001. So I, I okay. used my entire uh, one year. Um, and I worked for a company based in, in Cairns and... Uh, we went out on on vessels from anywhere to you know a few days to about six weeks at the most. Um, going out yeah, from well. Cairns and then on the longer trips we'd need to come in somewhere um, normally Gladstone or, 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 or Townsville. Um, yeah, and I was I was doing um, I, I just stayed on the the boats that were doing the free diving. Um, they had a whole uh, fleet of, of of fishing vessels that uh, you know they were doing the. Um, uh, sea cucumbers and, and crayfish and hooker and stuff like that. But um, I wasn't yep. really interested in that. Um, I just stayed with the, the one boat that was doing the doing the stuff on free diving. So, yeah, just uh, okay. went out for for crayfish. Uh, sorry, for choker shells, uh, sea cucumbers, and then if you 
saw crayfish or whatever, you know, you'd, you'd grab those. Those would go in the blast freezers, freezer as well. So, yeah, it was an exciting okay. time. Cool. Yeah. Your breath hold must have been amazing at that stage. Yeah, I was, I, I was by far the fittest I have ever been and ever will be, that's for sure. I mean, you, you get up in the morning, you'd have a bit of breakfast um, and then start working, um, you know, there was normally a, a couple of tinnies um, that would be dragged behind the boat. Um, so you'd go out in, in the tinny, um, and then dive for a few hours until lunch, uh, have lunch, process the shells uh, for an hour or two, um, and then after lunch go back out for a few hours, uh, in, and then in the evening process the shells. Um, and then sometimes if there was a little bit of light left, you'd try and go for a spear before uh, dinner in bed. So, yeah, I was putting many, many hours every day in the water. <laughs> That's yeah. a big day, all right. I'd, I'd be buggered after one day of that. Repeated <laughs> yeah, days yeah. of bloody, I give you. With, um, yeah. with your ears, it brings an interesting point. How did your ears hold up with multiple days diving like that? Yeah, I, I, I did have a, have a few problems. And, uh, you know, some of the guys had those candles that you put in your ear and I had to do some, some syringing and stuff like that a, a couple of times. Um, yeah, because okay. it, 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 it wasn't great. But uh, funny enough, the, um, the 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 skipper that I was always working for, he was a, a born again Christian bloke. Um, you know, oh. he, he'd try and give us um, Sunday off, um, and then we could do do a bit of spearing. Um, but most of the time, we were a bit behind on the on the quota and that, so we'd only get half of Sunday off. But uh, yeah, okay. it, was, it was good fun. At least we got got a little bit of spearing in, you know, on the on the Sunday. Um, he yeah, was always good. wanting us to he was always wanting us to take it as a rest day, but uh, you know. Everyone just wanted to jump in the water and try to spear something. So you mentioned air candling and using a syringe with your ears. Can you just fill us in a little bit on what that process looks like? I'm generally familiar with both, but I've never done either. Um, Well, to be honest, I haven't done it since then. Um, So, yeah, I mean, the the, the candle, you just uh, put in a special candle to to try and draw out the wax. And then if you've got a a very serious buildup of wax, then... um, uh, you can u- use the syringing to try and get it out, um, okay. but definitely, I'd uh, I'd recommend using some proper, uh, you know, medicated eardrops rather. <laughs> it was just we were in yeah. the middle of nowhere, so you know you got to you got to do what you can do. Yeah, okay. I've noticed in the chemists, like when I've done multiple days diving, that the general eardrops are f- alcohol based, so they dry your ears out, which can give you even more problems. And then the other the other end of the scale of the eardrops is they're like a steroid based antibiotic one, and then they they bloody they they're not very good for you either because they disrupt the bacterial balance. So I was just wondering what guys do when they're out for sort of a you know a week or longer and they have some issues. So it's just interesting hearing from you know you, with your commercial experience what what you sort of did to get around it. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, these days I I have the um, the one with the steroids, and I I take that everywhere. Um, and then as soon as okay. I I feel something coming. I, um, I put a couple of drops, and that that quickly, um, you know, it, it, it takes takes away the problem. So um, if I'm going away on a, for a competition or whatever for a, a few weeks, um, I always uh, go go to the doctor beforehand and uh, just explain to him that I'm I'm going to be a, uh, away in a you know in another country. It's not going to be easy for me to get the stuff. Can I get a prescription for uh, for the eardrops? And I, I always get it that way, and um, it's, it's it hasn't oh, been a okay, problem. Cool. Yeah, nice. 
All right, awesome. Well, moving on from um, there, so you, you did the commercial diving in Australia, and then you moved over to the UK, and where you've um, become the British champion for quite a number of years, and uh, you've also represented Great Great Britain in a whole lot of competitions. Um, just fill us in a little bit about that experience of moving to the UK and diving the beautiful, clear, warm, tropical waters over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was a it was a big change, um, but I, I was quite pleasantly surprised when um, w- w- when I got got to do some diving here. Um, there is quite a lot of fish okay. life. Um, there isn't a huge amount of species, um, but we we do have a quite a, quite a lot of fish life, so that's nice. Um, the diving can okay. be quite interesting, quite challenging. Um, so that was a was a pleasant surprise. Where where are you doing most of your diving over there? I normally dive anywhere between um, Brighton, which is approximately due south of London, um, to okay. Cornwall. So most of the the length along the the South English coast. Okay, all right. And you guys do get some good weather along there. Um, how, how many days of the year is that sort of diveable? Um, well, for me, the season normally starts in about um, mid-April, um, as the, the the temperature warms up. Um, and the, the weather starts improving. Um, so I normally start mid-April when the, when the water temperature is about uh, 8 degrees or so, um, and then <laughs> dive through the summer, um, and the, the, the temperature of the water might reach as much as 18, 19 degrees, depending on the place. Um, yeah. In some places where it's shallow for a long way out, um, it, it can get warmer in summer, and um, further along in the West Country, it, uh, it, it drops off deeper, much much quicker um so it doesn't tend to get quite as uh, as warm as um further up the channel but um yeah and then i, I normally end, end up diving till um around about the beginning of november um and then it's normally the autumn gales and that that uh, end up uh, putting an end to the to the season it just gets uh, you know you get lots and lots of uh, wind coming through it just churns it up, and uh, yeah, that's normally the end of the season for me. And then uh, it just gets jolly cold. So yeah, it's, it's, I, okay, I, cool. I don't handle anything much lower than than about eight. I've I found this the sort of bottom limit for me. <laughs> even, even, no matter how good the suit is, it's just uh, I, I I can't do less than that. Turbo Turbo starts asking for a five mil and anything less than twenty, yeah. Kevin. So you're doing all right. <laughs> 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 yeah, he's, yeah, he, he's a thin bloke though, so you can understand. Um, I'm fit and wiry, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm also, uh, um, I'm also a pretty thin bloke, so yeah, I, I really suffer from the cold. Some of the guys, uh, you know, they dive. A few of the guys dive all the way through winter. Um, I mean, they won't do a lot of diving through winter because it's, there's a lot of um, wind and that, and you know, there's a lot of yeah. uh, visibility. But some of the guys do it, uh, you know. But uh, I'm just not that okay. tough. <laughs> Nah. No, I've got a bit of meat on them bones, so my layer of extra layer of blubber keeps me pretty good. I remember mm. diving in New Zealand, but like um, eight degrees is pretty friggin' cold. So you'd have a you'd have an eight mil wetsuit on for that, would you? Uh, yeah, seven mil. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Uh, for me, yeah. I, I actually use that most of the year. To be honest, um, I, okay. I, I, wow. I get cold a lot, so yeah, I've got I've got to use yeah. the seven mil most of the year. Yeah, you gotta be you gotta be comfortable to have a good yeah. breath hold to make the most of it. Do, do you have to use a uh, a weight vest then, <clears throat> or do you are you still using a weight belt? And uh, yeah, I use a, um, a weight belt with about uh, four kilos on it, and then a, a weight vest oh. with uh, another about four kilos on it, just to spread the wow. spread the weight wow. out. Yeah, cool. Had a guy um, 
emailed into the show a little while ago from the Red Sea. And, uh, I mean, because it's so buoyant there, he was wondering how he could distribute his weight um, evenly. Do, do you ever use ankle weights, Kevin? No, I've, I've tried them, but um, I, haven't, I haven't persevered with those. Um, for me, doing it this way with a, with a lightweight belt and then the, um, and then the, 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 the harness, it, it seems to be okay. Okay, cool. All right, and we're going to get to um, some of your competition experience because it's been fairly extensive, particularly in the last sort of uh, 15 years or so. Um, before then, though, I, I wanted to sort of tag back into probably your most memorable fish. Like, uh, what, what's one of the best or most memorable fish stories you've, you've got? Probably one of, one of my first, you know, decent fish was one of the most memorable for me. It was um, mm-hmm. shortly after I'd, uh, I'd moved to Durban and... Um, it was uh, over a period of about two weeks. It was uh, it was really calm. The water, the um, the inshore and the, the the area where I was diving was really scoured out. So where you'd normally just have the the, the breakers and sand, there was um, some fantastic reef structure in in like uh, you know about four or five meters of water. Um, okay. And there was lots of lots of gullies and and, and caves and all of that. And um, yeah, it, it was fantastic, and there was there was just so much fish around. And in those days, you know, um, for every fish uh, I used to see, and, and and my dive buddy used used to see, you know, we'd miss like about ten for every one that we managed to land. Um, and I remember <laughs> over those those two week the two weekends, um, we just saw a phenomenal amount of of good fish. There was um, trevally, um, we saw some jewfish, we saw some. Um, what what's called Hillbeck in um, in in South Africa? I think you might call them uh, Taraglan or something uh, in in Oz. Okay. It's it's like a uh, it's like a dewy with um, a bit skinnier and with uh, yellow um, jaws. But um, oh, okay. Yep. Anyway, so uh, yeah, it, it was these phenomenal conditions, um, and I managed um, somehow managed to to shoot one of these uh, these Hillbeck, probably of about eight kilos. Um, Mm. So that for me was a was was a, was a huge achievement. You know, at the time I was still wearing a um, a two piece wetsuit with a, a zip up jacket with a with a bit of a jersey <laughs> underneath the jacket because it fitted so badly. So I was getting flushing everywhere, you know. And um, yeah, yeah, and these scuba scuba fins, which were the the cheapest white plastic fins with a with a, with a strap <laughs> around the back, and oh, and the mask yep. was um, one of these masks with uh, three panes of glass. You know, with a huge, uh, <laughs> huge volume of air. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I managed to land this uh, this heelback, and um, yeah, I was, I was pretty stoked about that. So what we we on the bottom, laying in laying on the sand. Uh, how how did you sort of did the fish come to you? What was your um, how was no, that? I, how did that play out? I was I was sort of like uh, sneaking around on the on on the surface. Um, it's pretty shallow water, you know. Um, so I was, yeah, I was yep. sneaking around on the surface, and um, I sort of came around this uh, this bit of rocks, um, and and there he was with a with a smaller one. So I managed to shoot it um, uh, through the top and uh, and land it like okay. that. Okay, oh, nice. the the good old dive bomb. <laughs> yeah, <Stop>. indeed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nice. Oh, cool. Uh, that would have been very memorable, especially with the, you know the old school equipment. I think sometimes yeah. are the biggest victories where you've you, you know you're overcoming crap cheap equipment. You, yeah. 
Yeah. So, no, cool. You need to get yourself uh, a pair of the Noob Spiro um, edition <laughs> Penetrator freediving blades, Kevin. Yeah, use the code ah. Noob Spiro to save 20 bucks. <laughs> I was looking uh, good. <laughs> Don't call us, we'll call you, he says. We'll, we'll, we'll get right. to your dive bag a little bit later on, Kev, but... Um, What's your – you're over there in the UK now. I mean, you can use um, – I, I was wanted to dial in on one of your favourite spearfishing hunting techniques and how you use it. I mean, whether you want to pick a cold water species or, you know, some competition techniques that you use, I'm, I'm easy. What what would be – you know, if you, if you had to pick one technique, what would be your favourite hunting technique? I think my, my favourite hunting technique is um, something I learnt uh, – because uh, of, of going and doing some diving in Croatia. Um, just a bit of background, I'm, I'm married to a, a, a lovely Croatian woman, so um, we go to Croatia every, every summer for the summer holidays, basically. Um, so wow. I, I normally go for a couple of weeks there. And um, I, I found on the, on the first holiday that I was, I was there, um, now the, the typical terrain, in, 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 if you go diving around the Croatian islands, is... Um, you have the island, and then the um, it, you know the the ground just slopes away um, underwater um, at you know an angle, maybe sort of on average like thirty degrees. It, it, it slopes away into into the deep. Okay. Now, if you're okay. just um, spinning on the surface um, out at whatever depth, say you want to dive, um, maybe you want to dive fifteen meters. So, if you're out, um, you know, uh, above that, and you uh, you do your duck dive and swim down 15 meters and then try lay on the bottom, um, you basically won't see anything. Um, because okay. as soon as the fish uh, see your duck dive, see you swimming down, uh, they're gone, you know. So in the, in the oh. first holiday I was there, I was, I, was, I was practicing, you know, ways of, 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 of trying to get the fish. And um, what, I, what I eventually um, got to use, which is it's quite a, a well-known uh, technique in in the Mediterranean is, is the aguato, and um, basically it's an ambush. And the yep. way I was doing it in Croatia is you start off as close to the side or right against the side if you can, and do your duck dive there. You know where where the waves are like lapping up against the rocks. Try get to do your duck dive there, and then follow the terrain down, preferably preferably with the sun at your back. Um, follow the terrain down using the shadows and um, any any terrain that you can to try and um, disguise uh, your your body, and so that you can okay. get to a, into a position where you think there might be fish. Get into that position, and mm. you haven't um, identified yourself to the fish as being a predator, and you know they haven't seen you uh, completely or uh, preferably at all. So it's it's just a way of being able to get into in, in, into range of the fish. And they're still in a in, in some sort of relaxed state. They haven't moved off and and disappeared into the into the great blue. So that's yeah, a, nice. a really fun fun technique to use. You know, you 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 you're you're on the surface and you can sort of plan your uh, your trajectory, uh, where you want to swim, yeah. how you want to use the terrain and the shadows, um, and yeah. to get to where you you want to dive. So it, 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 it takes a, you know, it's a, it's a lot of um, thinking in it as well and, um, and and sort of strategy in that. So I really enjoy that. Yeah, I was, I was going to say it sounds really, you know, strategic. Like, yeah, there's a lot of thinking that goes into it, whereas some of the dirtier water diving you do, it's really just sort of, 
you know, you can't see the bottom, so it's just hit and miss, isn't it? Like, um, so it's it's interesting <coughs> hearing that a really good, effective clear water hunting technique. So, th- thanks for laying that process out. Sure. What sort of visibility are we talking in Croatia, Kevin? Um, I'd say typically from twenty to twenty-five meters, something like that. Yeah. yeah wow. So you, you can often yeah. see. I mean, in, in Croatia as well, where I dive, there's normally a thermocline, so um, it's not mm-hmm. really deep water diving because the fish are generally at or above the, the thermocline level. So that's yeah. typically in, the, in the, the, the time of year that I'm there, which is mid-summer, um, it's typically in around about uh, 15 metres, maybe 10 metres. Um, you, okay. you don't want the thermocline too high because it tends to, to push the fish up off the reef. And when they're up off the reef okay. and they in mid-water, they become a lot more difficult than if they're actively... Um, you know, hunting on the bottom. Um, so yeah. I, I found the, the most success if I, on days when the thermocline was about uh, 15, 16 meters, something like that. Um, then the areas that I was I was trying to hunt, uh, uh, the, the, the thermocline slightly below that, and the fish are in a more relaxed um, state. Okay. What about uh, are there a, in that area of Croatia? Do the, are the fish seeing a lot of divers in those areas? Is there a lot of spearfishing pressure? Are they kind of oh, expecting you to be a predator? Ab- absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's sort of the, like I say that you know the typical terrain there um, is that the you know it drops away from from the sides of the, of the islands very quickly. It drops away into deep water. You've only got a thin band of, of, of divable area around these islands. So, of course, mm. you know, basically all the good terrain is known. So, you know, there's oh, quite okay. a lot of divers there. So, you know, all the, the places where you'll get dentex, those, those dentex, for example, will have all seen divers many times. Um, that's yeah. the, the, the sort of prize fish. Um, that uh, mm. to hunt, which is the, that's basically what I, I I end up concentrating on when I'm there is is basically just trying to hunt dentex. I've I've seen a YouTube video where a guy uses the technique the the aguado technique you just described to perfection, and uh, a huge dentex comes in off the sand, and uh, it's just a, a, it was like a, you know the, a beautiful example of the aguado technique used effectively. Have you got a story of possibly using it effectively yourself over there in Croatia? Yeah, um, I mean, I've, I've gotten some 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 decent dentex um, using that. Um, oh wow! Uh, the the biggest one that I've ever got wasn't really using that technique. It was in the one area that I used to dive where there was a bit of an offshore um, bit of reef, a sort of offshore uh, big bommy. Um, okay. And then I, um, I I I knew that you know in, on on that area there was there was dentex. Um, so I went down and, and sort of tucked myself up in between a, a little ledge and the seagrass, and I could see a, yep. a big dentex, um, you know, quite 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 a long way away from me. Um, so I, I did a, a maximum uh, breath hold, waiting in that uh, concealed in that in that little um, channel that I was in, and uh, doing yep. some some uh, soft grunting noises um, in the throat. Okay. And very, very, very slowly, he came closer and closer and closer. And uh, right okay. at the end of the breath hold, I, I took a really long shot and managed to yeah. managed to peg him. And he he just went mental and uh, went into the seagrass <laughs> and then into a in, in, into a little hole. And I very gingerly pulled on the line once I got to the surface and 
out out of the seagrass popped this this big dente. So he was uh, seven point oh, wow. three, three kilos. So I was, I was oh, really nice. pleased with that. Um, yeah, but yeah. Using the, um, the, the, the 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 technique I was talking about, doing the guado from the um, from the side, I've, I've gotten some decent ones up to about sort of four kilos, um, and yeah. some amberjack as well. Um, I, I also got my, my biggest amberjack was also um, doing a, a similar uh, sort of uh, technique. I was looking for dentex actually, um, and then when <laughs> I got to the the area where I was uh, I was wanting to to look for the dentex once I've done done the done the ambush um i was uh i was lying on the bottom and in in the distance i, I saw this big head coming my way um so as it approached um there was a there was a bit of um bit of a ridge in front of me as it approached i slowly lowered myself behind the behind the ridge and as it got closer and closer i lowered myself more and more and more until it was you know right above me basically and then uh, shot the thing um and that yeah, was wow. uh, about thirty-seven kilos, I think. So that was that was that was wow. a, a really nice one. I enjoyed. Um, but yeah, the, on on YouTube, there's some there's some there's some great examples of of, of using the technique. Um, some uh, mm. some of the guys in Spain and Italy and and stuff like that. So mm. if anyone's interested, they can they can have a look and and find many fantastic examples of it. Yeah. I'm really enjoying listening to your stories, Kevin, because you've dived sort of quite extensively in a lot of different environments so like just hearing the, the crossover from like diving in the frigid eight degree water of the uk to going over to croatia and diving in 25 meter <coughs> visibility sounds like you really enjoy spearfishing in any environment i do I, I i guess i sort of um fancy myself as a, a bit of a jack of all trades but master of none kind of thing you know, I've, uh, I can do lots of different things. Um, I wouldn't say I'm fantastic at any of it, but I, you know, I can do these things, and I and I really enjoy them. So that's sort of the yeah. the, the philosophy that I've had. Yeah, Kevin, I just got one more thing um, on your aguado. Some of these guys in the Mediterranean, I mean, they're pulling huge bottom times, really long, and they're quite deep. Um, I just wanted to know, like get an idea for how sort of long your bottom times are, like, and and. Does any length sort of make it long length make it more effective? And are you doing any sort of training to keep up those static breath holds on the bottom? Um, yeah, I mean it, it does help um, because even if the even if the you know the total dive time isn't that long, um, you know you're still expending a, a, quite a lot of energy to to do your ambush through the terrain and that. Um, so you you do need a, a reasonable um, uh, bottom time, and then you know once you've once you've gotten to uh, where you want to to hunt the fish, um, you know you might see say 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 for example if you're hunting dentex, you might see the dentex, um, and you know it might take a, a, a fair wait for them to to come in and for you to to get a shot. I mean if you if you do it all 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 perfectly, sometimes I've had it that I, I, I've done it. I've I've gotten to an area, and then you you look say you look out over a um, uh, if you've got a bit of a ridge or something in front of you, um, you look out over that, and then there, there might be a dentex right there, and then you can shoot it straight away. Mm. So in some cases, it, it, it doesn't need a, a long bottom time, but um, I think it, 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 it definitely helps. Um, I mean, for for that technique, I'm not normally um, diving very deep because. Just because of the the nature of how it is in 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 the area of Croatia at the time of year, 
that I dive in Croatia because of, of the thermocline. So I'm normally diving yep. shallower than sort of 18 meters. Um, yep. Whereas in other places in the med, um, the, the thermocline works differently. And, you know, it might in midsummer be very deep and the guys are diving very deep, um, for example, in Greece. Yeah. And in terms of, of, of training, um, I try train a bit in in winter. I do cycling and and stuff like that, and a bit of uh, walking apnea, which which helps. Um, so yeah, that 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 sort of keeps me going through the winter time when when I can't dive because there's each year there's uh, about uh, five or six months where I I just don't dive. Um, so that helps me get through that. I was going to say Turbo does the same sort of stuff in winter. He 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 bought a bike, but I think he was more carried away with the idea of just having an excuse to wear Lycra. Um, <laughs> My bike's got a basket with a six-pack in the front of it. <laughs> yeah, he's got like the uh, the Spartan 300 um, ab plate stapled onto the front of it. And, uh, and, he, and he chucks a couple of pairs of socks down as well. For it. <laughs> oh, right, eh? Good lad. Uh, if, like me, you have a friend like Shrek who comes over often and often misses the toilet bowl when he's having a leak... Get yourself a copy of Spearing Magazine. Not only is it a great read with full glossy photos, it also is a good way to soak up all that wayward spray. So get your copy of SpearingMagazine.com. Spearing Magazine from SpearingMagazine.com. If you like McEwan's Lager and we jammy judges, <laughs> then Staunch Industries is for you. <laughs> That's right, a paddle for real, man. <laughs> Get that up, you cult. Staunchindustries.com Guys, if you're looking to improve your freediving and spearfishing, a good set of fins is pretty much mandatory. And the best fins going, in our opinion, are the penetrator fins. So get online, get on to penetratorfins.com and check out the full range there of composites and carbon fiber fins. Composites are tough as nails. They're a fantastic fin, and the carbon fibers are the most reactive fin going. We absolutely love them. Can't kill them either. Had them for years. They're still going strong. And the best thing about this is now we have a code for you guys. So if you pump in Noob Spiro at checkout, you'll save yourself $20 on a set of these great fins. Add to that, we, we now can offer you $25 flat rate shipping internationally. That is absolutely fantastic and a full international warranty from penetratorfins.com. So there's no reason not to get in and get yourself one of the most important pieces of spearfishing equipment. That is a good set of carbon or composite blades. So get in there now, check out all the great designs and get yourself a set of penetrator blades. <laughs> uh, good stuff. All right, so okay, let's move on to the next part of the show. Um, toughest situation. What's the toughest situation you've been in in the ocean, and what was the scenario? What actions did you take, and sort of what did you learn from it? Um, I think one of the one of the standout um, uh, moments was um, I was diving with my um, my diving buddy in um, in South Africa in Cape St Francis, and um, the swell was really big that day. You know. And um, where we were going to where we were going to dive, there was um, a, a long shoreline of, of, of rocks, and then on the one side there was a, a bit of a headland, um, and then it, there was a sandy bay. Okay, and so what we okay. had decided to do was to swim out. We we found a, a little gully where you could swim out and 
and, and just get through the breakers. And then we were going to swim um, towards the bay and then exit on the sandy beach and, and get out there. So um, okay. the swell was big that day, and it was sort of at my my maximum that I could I, I, I could punch through the through the through the surf and, and get out. And I just managed to get out, okay. and my dive buddy got out, um, and then we started diving and we started shooting some fish and stuff like that. And um, then uh, as we were diving, the swell picked up, okay, and it's really oh, started no. cranking. And uh, and then we decided, all right, we we better we better head in. So we had we each had a, a, a few fish. Um, so we decided we decided to head in. So we we tried to swim to the bay, okay, and yep. we swam and we swam and we swam, and the current had started, and it was pushing us away from the the bay. We couldn't actually get oh, around wow. the headland and into the bay. And uh, oh, oh we swam like flat out for I don't know how long. We must have been going for I don't know an hour or something, just trying wow. desperately to make some head, uh, you know, make some ground and and get round into this bay. And eventually, we realised yep. we can't. You know, in the yep. other direction, in the direction the current was was trying to take us, there was just kilometres and kilometres of rocky coastline. And the surf <laughs> bashing down oh, on these no. rocks. So that, oh God, how are we oh, going to no. do this? Um, so anyway, we 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 let the current take us, and um, we decided to where we were going to try and hopefully find uh, some sort of gully. Because you know, when you're behind the surf, you got these big breakers in front of you. You can't actually see the rocks, so you can't really see where there's yeah, a safe yeah. uh, little gully or anything. Because all you can see is the waves in in front of you. Um, yep. and we, we just, uh, took a chance and, and, and swam in. And luckily we managed to, to, to time the, the break in the, in the sets and, uh, and, and reach the, the shore without a serious uh, injury. And I'll tell you, I actually oh. went, got onto, crawled up onto the beach and I actually kissed the ground that day. I was so relieved <laughs> to have reached the shore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. And, um, I think the, yeah. the sort of the takeaway from that is. You know, you've got to have uh, contingencies where, you know, especially in, in, in areas where there's, where there's surf or strong currents or both, um, you know, yep. you've got to have a contingency where you're going to be able to, 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 to get out. Yeah, no, that's a great point. A, a plan B. Yep, definitely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Well, we're, um, we're actually um, authoring a book at the moment, Kevin, called uh, No Sparrow's Guide to Shore Dive Spearfishing. And I've um, emailed out some guys um, from South Africa and Sydney and some of these guys that dive the big surf-prone rocky beaches. And it's one point that came through loud and clear. And they've all got these similarly sort of terrifying stories. And I've experienced it myself. It's bloody scary because uh, you yeah. know that... You know, like if if you're lucky, you might get the ass ripped out of your suit and end up with a big uh, graze on your bum. But you know, at worst, you know, all sorts of things can happen to you. and You lose half your gear, and so no, nah, good, good, good story. Awesome. The uh, the next part of the show is veterans' fault. So we're going to discuss with you competitive spearfishing. We're going to get your sort of your take on competitive spearfishing. You've you've had some good results over the years, and we also wanted to discuss spearfishing the uh the uk cod so if we can if we can start with competitive spearfishing um kevin tell it can you just give us a little bit of an overview of your experience with comps just so listeners might have some sort of idea yeah um i, I did a, a couple of comps back in, in in my days in south africa um i didn't really come anywhere um and then i i, I um i 
I'd spend my time in Australia and then uh, eventually came to the, the UK and um, started off doing the, the competitions there and really enjoyed them. And it took a while. It took, took me a few years. I mean, uh, you know, the, the, the diving in the UK is very different to what I'd ever experienced before. Um, so it, it took some years to, to, to find the, um, uh, you know, to, to learn the, the different spots and, and stuff that are, uh, are commonly dived, to learn the types of fish um, and, the, and the different techniques to, to get the fish and, and, and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it, it, it took a few years. I think I won my first. Uh, British uh, Nationals in 2006. Um, wow. And then, uh, yeah, I've, I've won it a few times since then, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, okay. So with, with um, I mean, the first time you won it, um, what, what was that experience like? What, what was your, was that over a couple of days? And what was your bag of fish look like? How, how many species did you shoot? Can you remember? Yeah, it's, um, the British Nationals is normally over um, four competitions. Um uh, weather permitting, of course. Um, on average, it's probably uh, so the, uh, over uh, three competitions, and that's spread out over the the, the summer months uh, in different locations. So um, one okay. weekend you might have it in one location, a few weeks later in another, etc. Um, okay. Yeah, and that 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 the first year I won it, um, it was a very uh, sort of close thing between uh, me and one of the other local guys. Um, I won the first competition. Um, with a bag of some mullet and, and sea bass. Um, and then he did very, very well in a another competition of uh, Portland Bull. Um, and I was uh, reasonably close behind. Um, and that was that was a very mixed bag. I think I had seven species that day, which is, is quite a lot wow. of species for the UK, you know. Um, we don't have yeah, that yeah. many here. Um, but that was uh, where I, I got uh, my first cod that day. Um, and oh, wow. uh, there's mullet and and bass and uh, red mullet and um, black bream, uh, a few other fish. Um, so he yeah. won that day. Um, and then the um, the last comp, what ended up being the last comp of the year, um, that was a very difficult one with not many fish coming out in an area which doesn't normally have many fish anyway. Um, and and I managed to to do well enough to to, to take the title. So yeah, that was yeah, that was right. great. That was my my first uh, my first British national. Yeah, cool. So that guy is he a regular rival of yours now, or is he is he still going? No, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately not. Kev no, broke he, his spirit. Um, he sort of uh, he sort he sort of um, just stopped with it, uh, the competitive side, um, which is unfortunate because he, he was a phenomenal diver. He went on to to do really well in some international competitions. Um, came tenth in uh, the world championships in Croatia and stuff like that, and then, and then stopped. Wow, uh, that was unfortunate. Yeah, wow. And you, you, you've represented the UK in several comps. Uh, you, you were at the last year's Greece uh, world champs, weren't you? Yes, I was. I was. Um, that was an interesting competition. I mean. Yeah, it was. Uh, I was just going to say know, we saw we saw guys diving to sixty meters, yeah. and there was like a lot of a lot of injuries, and well, there was there were several injuries. Anyway, I don't want to over exaggerate, but it looked like really challenging diving. Yeah, there, there was quite a few injuries. Um, I mean, it was well known there was going to be uh, you know quite a quite a deep comp. Um, I went scouting there um, because my with with my work, I'm limited to how long I can take at any one time, really. Uh, and be away from work. So I went there for a week in, in June of, of last year. And um, okay. 
did, did a little bit of scouting and it, the, you know, you, you could find fish in sort of 30 to 35 meters. Um, you know, no problem. You could, you could see some fish that, you know, they're, they're still pretty difficult to shoot and everything, but it was some fish there. Then we went back for the actual competition and that sort of zone was almost devoid of fish. Um, we're diving. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're diving constantly. The the, the whole um, you know the scouting and the the competition with myself and uh, and and one of the one of my other the teammates were diving the thirty to forty meter zone, um, all constant weight yeah. because you know the, a lot of the the, the top guys. Uh, well, I think all the top guys were were doing um, variable weight. But in the UK, yeah. we, we can't really practice that because of the, you know, the type of conditions we have. You know, uh, the dirty water, the current, that sort of thing, and and you know, mostly there's there's a strong tide and that. So it's just not really feasible to to be able to practice variable weight and um, and get proficient at it because I think that's the the very important thing as well. You can't just you know come to a world championships and and try a new technique. Otherwise, you know, you, you you're going to get hurt or worse. So we just mm-hmm. we just stuck with constant weight. Um, and you were just limited to that 30 to 40 meter zone really. And, um, yeah, yeah I, I, I got some fish, um, and, uh, yeah, I was, I was a little bit disappointed that I, I didn't do better. Um, I would have liked to have been able to maybe spend a bit longer there and, and, and gotten, uh, into the, the variable weight stuff maybe, uh, who knows? But yeah. yeah, it was, it was good. It was, I mean, it was, it was fantastically well organized and everything, um, I mean, it was a very dangerous competition, as everyone knows. But they, you know, they had um, a, a couple of uh, medical boats. They had the, the the navy boat, I think, with a hyperbaric chamber on on call nearby. They had a, a helicopter yep. on 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 call to take people to to Athens if need be. Um, so they were yeah, they were well. very well organised. Daniel Mann, uh, former guest on the show, had a bit of a chat with you, I believe, and uh, he, he filmed a, a fair bit of the event over there. That the video's up on YouTube. I might try and link it up in the show notes. But it looks like the, um, you know, just the way everyone sort of treats spearfishing is a lot different there in Greece. And uh, did you, you enjoy the experience overall? I, I did. I did. I did. It was, um, it was really good. Um, you know, it's, it's, there's, there's nice guys out there. You learn a lot from these, these events. It can often be quite a, a lesson in humility. You know, you, you go over there. I've, I've been into some of these, these competitions and uh, gotten little or nothing, you know. So it, it can be quite a humbling experience. Um, it is difficult, you know, if you're in one of the smaller teams, um, you know, we basically self-funded. Um, it, yeah. So we got limited time, limited resources. Um, and, yeah. I mean, to, to start off, with, we, we're not professional spear fishermen and yeah, you know, here in the UK, we can only even dive um, on weekends, you know, for six months of the year. So you're competing against yeah. guys that are professional spear fishermen. Um, there's there's a lot of lot of money in it. You know, they've got boats, they've got helpers, they've got people helping to scout, um, all of that with mm. um, all the late yeah. electronic gear. <laughs> but I think yeah. you, you can't get too, you know, if you're going to do these comps, if you're in one of the, the sort of smaller teams, you, you can't get too, uh, you know, uh, worried about the inequality of it all um otherwise you're just not yeah, going to yeah. enjoy it no. so just, yeah, just cool. accept it for what it is I've, I've long since i don't really worry about that sort of thing it, it is what it is and i just go along and, and mm. do the best i can with the with the means available and uh, and try and enjoy it yeah cool what are the um 
That's crazy. But back 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 in the UK, you're doing a doing one of your um, your club comps. Um, what are some of the differences to just wreck diving? Like, how would you go about winning one of these comps? What's what's the strategy? Um, what are the little things you'd do differently just to a normal everyday dive? Um, well, I, I I think I mean with competition strategy, you you know a lot of it is you you've got to think what's going to happen when there's a whole bunch of other blokes out there all trying to shoot fish. I mean, in a, in, in a sort of, in our local competitions, we might have, you know, 30 guys or something, um, in an international, like in, in Greece, there was, um, 75, um, divers or something and probably about, I don't know, 85 boats. So that does have an effect on what, what's going to happen with a fish. Um, so it, if you can try and have a strategy where you, you you know you can get fish through the competition, not just you know often in these competitions, the, the, especially in the internationals, the, the very beginnings, the uh, you know it's critical um, you know before everything gets gets disturbed. But if you can have a strategy where you can get some fish going through it, um, in the local comps, I normally try and uh, go out a bit wider than than the other guys to get a get some space. Um, go go out a little bit deeper than than the other guys will be going, um, just so that I can be by myself. Maybe it's not even um, as good a ground or anything, but be by yourself and uh, and and try and pick up some fish. All right, with um with guys that are just sort of get interested in sort of getting started in comps, possibly over there in the UK, um, it's their first comp. How would you advise them to to go about approaching it? Um, do, do, do you is scouting something that you do even for a, a local comp? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I try and always um, try and always go uh, and, and 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 do at least uh, one one little look at the place. Um, preferably um, with the same sort of tide that the competition is going to be going uh, that's going to be happening on the, in the competition. So um, you know, so you, oh, you okay, you're yeah. diving the area in the in in the in, in the same either whatever incoming outgoing high tide whatever so you, you're diving it at the, yep. at the same um, and then try and try and learn a few spots um, and then one of one of the things I always think with with competition you know is is just try and try and try and keep going right till the end you know you never know what's what's going to happen mm-hmm. I, I've had many competitions where you know I've, I've gotten almost nothing through most of the hours of the competition and then you you keep trying keep trying and then right at the end you never know you can come into come into some fish and then pull out a good result <laughs> and you know I've, I've won some of the competitions like that with getting almost all my fish right at the end so um yeah nice yeah you never you never know what's going to happen um i mean it, it, yeah. it, another story from um in 2008 in my my first world championships it was in uh, venezuela and um, mm-hmm. uh, on on day one, I, I, I didn't didn't do well at all. Um, uh, as, as it started, um, we were all racing off to to to, to a spot, um, well, to our various spots. And just as the boat was slowing down, uh, my weight belt snapped. So I've never ha- had happened before. <laughs> but yeah, in oh, my wow. my first world champs, there my weight belt snapped as we're slowing down to jump in the water and <laughs> and start fishing. So I, I had another weight belt with like about two kilos of weight on it. So I quickly, that was just, you know, supposed to be a, a second weight belt for when diving really shallow. So I quickly put that around me, shoved some weights up my uh, up my wetsuit jacket, jumped in the water and uh, swam to the spot where I had a, a fish marked. 
um, and there was already a, a spear in it. Um, so, yeah, I got out. Eventually, I managed to get one fish, um, and that was, that was the end of day one. All I had was one fish. And then on day two, um, so the, um, we're all assembling to, uh, at an assembly point, all the boats um, around these islands, and um, all of a sudden, all the boats started heading out in, in different directions. And I thought that was the start of the competition, and so did a lot of people. So we all go heading off full full steam into into the distance, um, and I jump in the water, and uh, I think I, m- I might have done a dive or not. But um, then the organised <laughs> boat came up and uh, told everyone that no, no, the, the competition hadn't actually started. So we had to all go back to the um, <laughs> the starting point, and then. Um, yeah. And then uh, th- there was a lot of um, argue- arguing and everything. And then they decided that all the people who had m- moved out from the start-off point without the, the actual official uh, start gun having fired um, would get a one-hour time penalty. So I was one of those people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> By then, the, 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 there'd been so much delay that they had reduced the six-hour competition to four hours. And then for myself and however many other people, there's about 15 of us, we had a one-hour yeah. time penalty. So we only got to dive the last three hours of the now four-hour competition. Oh, man. So, um, so we had to stay in this little bay on our boats for an hour. And I, I, I thought, well, it can't get any worse than this. So I went and swam to, to the shore <laughs> with my lunch and sat on a rock and, and, and had, my, had my lunch. <laughs> I thought, well, <laughs> this is my, my first world championship. I'm sitting on a rock while other guys are all diving, you know. It just it cannot get worse <laughs> yeah. than this. And then, you know, yeah. it's it just there was, there was then no, no pressure or anything like that, you know. It, it, it can't get worse. So you think, well, I'm just going to go out and, 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 and have some fun. So um, after the, the hour had passed, we, we were allowed to, to go. So I jumped back on the boat and, and off we went to the, the far edge of the area. And um, yeah. there, was, there was this area where there was... Um, loads of other divers and the, the current is really strong so we're doing um doing one dive drift you know jump in do one dive to the bottom hopefully shoot a fish the boat pick you up and then you you, you know you go go back up current again and do a drift over this area and um i started finding some fish and finding where what sort of terrain they were they were liking and um yeah i, I started in, increasing the rate and and ended up getting a, getting a decent mm. catch and um it, it was quite a good good catch for for the second day, and um, that that bumped me up to I think thirteenth overall. So I was really pleased with ah, that. But that's phenomenal. The, the the point is that you know uh, you got you got to keep going and, and and stay positive even if you're not getting fish. So same like yeah. I, I was mentioning in the local comps, you know, if uh, if you're not getting fish, just keep trying until the end. Because um, you never know yeah. what's going to happen. Yeah. yeah, that's a that's a good point. I, I noticed even on. Some of our trips out on the bay, when I'm just throwing fish over the side all day, <laughs> I often come back and Shrek hasn't shot anything, mate. And he starts, he's just got his hands in a big big um, packet of Doritos and he's just like a 130 kilo baby sulking in there, smashing chips in. And you just got to blow some wind in his sails and get him back in the water. Yeah. And occasionally he'll go and shoot a good mowong or something like that and um, he'll be all good and the bottom lip sucks I, back in. I looked exactly like Kevin just sitting on the rocks despondent. <laughs> <laughs> despondent what do they call that when, when you're eating out of um, sadness or whatever? What's that called? I don't know, man. Like You're telling the story. <laughs> <Sorry. Yeah. laughs> uh, anyway. good. Okay, um, any sort of final tips for 
um, guys wanting to do competitions, Kev, because I think we want to move on and check out the UK COD story. Mm. Um, no, I think I think that's about it, eh? Um, oh, yeah. the real tips. Yep. No, no, there's some there's some really good stuff in there anyway, particularly mm. about scouting and replicating the conditions that the comp's going to yep. be in. In particular, that really stood Getting out for your own me. Area. Um, mm. All right, so let, let's let's chat a bit about the UK COD. So, what's the actual species? Do you know the scientific name and it's not like oh, a geez. what we call a it's not a groper species is it no i i, I don't but yeah it's, it's not one of, it's, it's, it's not one of the gropers it's the um it's the atlantic cod um we get them at the they they all across the the top of the the, the north atlantic um i think yeah. the, the 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 english south coast is sort of towards the the southern limit of their range um, so okay. we don't get a lot of them here. It's not uh, it's nowhere near as much as like in Norway and, and, and places like that where um, you, you get a, a, a much bigger quantity of the fish and, and, and they get much bigger. Okay. Um, but we do get some here in, in, in various places. Um, and, yeah, I, I really enjoy it. It's, um, it, it, it's quite challenging because there's a bit of the, the, the depth aspect to hunting them because um, I enjoy – you know the the hunting aspect of of spearfishing, and also the, to some degree the free diving aspect of it, and um, that yeah. can be quite a challenge uh, here in the UK. You know, you got um, you got the the strong tides, you've got um, the cold water. You need a thick suit. You know, lots of lots of weight mm. around you. Um, it's mostly not too clear, um, so it's, yeah. it's quite a challenge doing doing some some of the depths. We're not doing like ridiculous depths or anything, sort of. Um, 20, 25, maybe 30 meters at most, but uh, it's, it's quite a challenge in, in, in these sort of conditions. Okay, maybe just for illustration purposes, what's um, what's probably one of the better cod you've um, you've taken over there, and um, how, how did that sort of hunt work out? Um, well, the biggest cod I've ever got uh, wasn't a very typical hunt. Um, it wasn't uh, very deep at all. It was. I was just looking under a ledge, and he was he was tucked in there, um, and yeah. then he um, the, the cod uh, it moved moved out and away, and I, I sort of lowered myself down against the rock, um, hoping he'd come back, and and he did, and he, he came back, and I managed to to to, to put a shot in him. Um, oh, so cool. I, was, I was very pleased with that. That was about uh, just under twenty pounds. Um, so I was, I was wow. really pleased with that. Um, it's a but tank. It, the, the, <laughs> The sort of more typical hunt would be um, we, we we dive in areas where we we typically look for for crabs basically um, cod love you know almost all the cod that I've shot when you gut them when you if you squeeze their guts out just a whole lot of crabs pop out you know that's what they they seem to love oh, okay. eating so um, we we like to hunt in areas where there's there's um, the food which is the crabs and shelter. You know, I guess most uh, okay. like many fish. You know, they like they like food and shelter. Um, mm. They like a, 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 a good bit of um, you know somewhere to hide um, and a, yep. a source of food. So in in some places there's um, mussel beds, or there were um, they sort of died back a, a couple of years ago, and those mussel beds were oh, okay. almost infested with these little dark brown crabs. Um, and then if, if if there was any um, structure around uh, anywhere near the mussel beds. Um, with a, 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 a bit of a, a crack or something for the fish to hide in, you'd often get a cod there. Um, oh, nowadays, since, since the mussels have, uh, have, have um, sort of been destroyed by the, I, I think by 
too too much suspension in the water over one of the winters a, a couple of winters ago. Um, okay. We go to other places where there's um, there's still good good structure and they're still finding their their source of crabs. Um, and they're, they're, to be honest, they're not they're not the hardest fish to shoot when in terms of you know if you if you find them they they're quite slow and and, and quite curious. Um, but a lot of the the challenges in is in trying to find them, you know. They're not that plentiful. Okay. Um, you've got to sort of know your stuff, normally put in a, a, a bit of depth and that, um, and hope you, hopefully you can find them. And um, mm. typically I'll, I'll, I'll do quite a bit of searching on the bottom. So you go down. If you can't find any good structure, then, you know, swim along the bottom and, and try and find some structure that you think might uh, have a cod ground it. Um, and then if you see some structure, then, you know, Sort of lower down and, and, and lower yourself down and stop and uh, and often they'll come in. Are they <clears throat> are they a schooling fish or do they shoal up? Where you see five or six on one of these structures at a time? Are they more just uh, like a like our groper sort of just a single cod in a hole or what's the story there? Yeah, I mean supposedly they they, they do school up over over deeper water. Um, I've normally just seen them singly or maybe two at a time in, uh, in, in times when there's, when there's a lot of cod. It, it, it varies each year, the, the, the amount of cod, because um, they, you know, each year, different year groups and, and, and different amounts of cod move into the ground. Um, yep. But yeah, normally it's just a single fish and, and, and normally we'd see them either near good structure or sometimes uh, tucked right up in, in, in a hole. Right, and are they uh, are they territorial? Can you use that against them to um, shoot them? Or yes, I mean they they don't tend to um, you know if you take a, a cod from around a rock or in, in a hole, it, it takes a while for that hole or, or, or that little area to get repopulated. Um, so I think they are reasonably territorial um, when they've moved okay. in. Um, so yeah, you you do need to to hunt over a, you know quite a, quite a large area and and really search for them. All right, I'm going to ask probably the most important question, Kevin, uh, and atypical of me. Uh, what do you, <laughs> oh, no, how do they is... go on the plate? And uh, <laughs> and, and what's your personal cooking uh, technique for them? Um, they they're pretty good. Um, the nice thing about them is it's got a, a really white flesh, um, so I find okay. they freeze very well. So um, the yeah. other big uh, species for, for shooting over here is the, the sea bass. If they're fresh, I prefer the sea bass. But um, the sea bass, okay. I don't find, freezes very well. It gets a bit of a bitter taste from, from the blood. So you've got, to, you've got to cut all the red meat out of it, I find. Um, I'm a bit fussy okay. like that. Um, and, and then I really don't like freezing them for long. Whereas the cod, you know, you can, you can fill it up. Uh, put it in the freezer, and uh, you know, quite a few months later, it'll it'll still taste great. So um, yes, that's, that's that's a big bonus of of, of the cod. I, I normally freeze them up, and then um, you know, go through the the bass first, and then later on uh, in in the year, at least I can still eat uh, eat eat fish. And uh, yeah, that's the that's the cod. Yeah, cool. All right. Yeah, normally when we do these um, sort of deep dives on a single species, Turbo will ask for the Latin name of the fish, and I'll, and I'll ask how you cook them. We've we've clearly got different priorities, but uh, <laughs> and body types. <laughs> and uh, looking at, looking at us, you'd probably guess what. Oh, you, you fry them, Kevin? 
Yeah, we we normally fry them up. Yeah. They, they're, they're pretty good fried. Shrek loves a good fry. Um, sometimes I make a <laughs> make a bit of a curry out of them. What about you? you do a good pommy batter. <laughs> The, the no, no, no. You're going to oh, live here. Man. I reckon you're going to struggle to make four of this, right? Seriously. The Poms love a good battered fish, though. They do it so well, too. I, I, oh. I fry them au naturel. Ah, okay. All right. Oh, you've lost him, mate. You've lost him. <laughs> if you can't like, get, oh, if you can't get wants to talk about is eating fish. It's a... <laughs> if there's not bulk calories involved, mate, he's not interested. <laughs> it's, it's, it's 30 degrees here, but he's still eating for a winter. It's ridiculous. Uh, he's got to go uh, into hibernation soon, so <laughs> it's all good. All right. Hey guys, today's Veterans Vault is brought to you by our ebook, 99 Tips to Get Better at Spearfishing. It's actionable information from more than 40 interviews with spearfishing experts from around the world. Turbo, what do you like about the book, buddy? Mate, I love it that it's called 99 Tips to Get Better at Spearfishing, but there's well over 99 tips in there. Some estimated at around 1,000 or 1,500 tips. <laughs> I love your estimation. I like the fact that it's just actionable information to, to improve your spearfishing out of sight on the next dive. Yep, absolutely. It's the best value for money spearfishing book on the market. So get on Amazon.com and pick yourself up a copy. 99 tips to get better at spearfishing. Thanks, guys. If you're anything like my mid-30s friend, Shrek, then you probably look like you're dressing out of the 90s still. I've just got to say right now, a big thank you to Storch Industries who sent us a couple of shirts for Shrek in double XL. He looks bloody mint and he's not an embarrassment to be around. So if, you, if you're looking for some spearfishing apparel, check out Staunch Industries. I think their website's staunchindustries.com. Check them out. Their stuff's absolutely excellent. They've got some great designs. Um, so we covered off competitions. We've had a good look at cod, and um, mm, most importantly, how they go on the plate. Um, next, <laughs> next part of the show is <laughs> is the funniest thing you've experienced out spearfishing. Um, yeah, I've experienced a few funny moments with Turbo. What about you, Kev? Um, yeah, a, a, a few funny moments. Um, I think one that one that stands out is um, when I was when I was over your way in in, in Australia. Um, um, the one of the days it was really rough weather, and it was my turn to to, to drive the tinny for the day. Um, yep. And we were, we were doing the troker shells, and I was riding the boat, and there was three divers I was looking after, I think. And I was, you know, they they, they work right in the shallows, um, and they'd call the boat in, and I'd have to bring the tinny in and pick up the shells, throw it in the crates and then get back out again into a bit deeper water. And this day, um, okay. you know, with strong wind and everything, and it was quite rough, and I'd, I kept coming in to, to, to collect the shells, and quite a bit of water was coming in over the sides. And as you know, those, those tinnies aren't self-draining or anything, so I was starting to take yeah. on quite a bit of water. And um, I, um, I did that, and we were really getting heavy with the shells. You know, I think we had... Uh, three full full crates, so that's 70 kilos each. So it's about 200 kilos odd of, of shells. And then I was yeah. picking up the divers, and then the last guy to, 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 uh, to finish called me in, and he was basically standing on the, on, uh, at, in, in the shallows, um, 
and called the boat in. So I had to go right in shallow. Um, and there wasn't a big swell or anything. It was probably a, a couple of foot or, in, or something. That, that, that were, the, the waves were standing up. Um, and I picked him yeah. up and I tried to turn the boat around and I started started going out to, to, to punch through the waves. Um, and just one too many waves came over the side and the, the oh, boat no. just went down. And uh, so I was, I, was, <laughs> oh, no. I was left on the surface and the boat just went down to about, I don't know, it's probably about four meters deep or something. And it was on the bottom. <laughs> so I, was, I was really, I was, I was so embarrassed about that. And then I looked down, I, I didn't have a mask, obviously, or anything, because I was a tinny driver. I looked down, and there's the guys, they're in the boat, and pretending that they're driving it, you know, with their hand on the tiller arm and everything, <laughs> <laughs> pretending, they're, pretending they're driving the tinny while it's on the bottom. Oh, dear. Oh, so I good. earned a couple of uh, choice, choice nicknames after that. They called me Captain Nemo or, <laughs> or just the sinker. Captain <laughs> so, Nemo, uh, that's good. Uh, but I, I, I was lucky. I, I didn't have to um, drive the tinny much after that. The, the, the yeah. skipper of the, of the boat <laughs> said, uh, no, someone else can do it. So I just got to dive. <laughs> You're so, right, uh, sinker. Leave it to one of the other boys. Uh, yeah, exactly. The Aussies are good for cracking a few jokes too, aren't they, Kevin? You would have experienced that big time. Oh, yeah, very much, very much. Oh, it's good humour working on the boats with them now. Yeah. Very good. All right. So, what's in your dive bag? Head to toe. What do you? What? What? What's You're diving in the UK, mate? What yeah. are you? Uh, what's the equipment you're using? What does it look like? Right. Well, um, from head to toe, uh, Technisub uh, low volume mask, Technisub micro mask. I use a, a Polar Sub uh, made to measure suit. You know, you've got to have a, a, yeah, a nice. good fitting suit here. Uh, normally seven yep. mil jackets, often uh, five mil five mil pants. Um, I use uh, spear carbon fins. Um, in the UK, I only use uh, two two types of gun, two lengths of gun. I use uh, carbon reel guns, um, 75 centimeters and 90 centimeters. So, if it's dirty, I use the 75. If it's clean, I use the 90. That's that's it. I'm I'm pretty simple. So, um, yeah, just the two guns. Um, and then I use a a boy, one of those uh, Sevlor dive hunter boys. Um, they're quite popular in Europe. The guys here will know about them. Um, I presume they, they're probably not that popular in Oz, but it's one of these boys that, you know, it's basically a, bo- a board. looks like a, a little boat. Okay. Um, so I use like one of those. Like a banks board. Uh, yes, yes. It, 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 it's similar to that, but it's um, inflate. This one's inflatable. So it's really light and everything. Okay. Um, yeah. And because, the, the, you know, the swims over here are, 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 are quite a long way, um, so the place yeah, closest, actually we, closest to my house, it's uh, it's about two kilometers each way. So you you swim out two kilometers and then start diving, um, and then you've got to swim two kilometers back. So it, it makes a difference having yeah. a having a board, and then you can also have your water and your your sun cream or whatever you want on on there, and also put the fish on the board um, because of the current, you know, to try and uh, make it a bit easier to swim. So um, yeah. I use one of those boards very, uh, you know, a lot in this country. Um, I also yep. use a drop weight um, on the float line rather than having the the float line going to a gun or anything like that. Um, so I use a, a, a real gun. I, I, I um, swim out to my spot uh, and uh, you know throw the the drop weight and then dive around it. 
because if you you know if you got okay. your float line attached to your gun, you, you can't really be very uh, stealthy and sneak around, uh, you know, the mm. structure or anything like that. So um, yeah, mm. I just use a real gun and, and swim around around with that. Okay, cool. Yeah, that that board um, you mentioned. We interviewed Grant Laidlaw over in Scotland recently, and he he does something similar because of the long swim. So it's it's interesting to see the parallels over there um, in your in your neck of the woods. Cool. Yes, yes, I, I did actually. I listened to his uh, his interview. It was uh, it was very good. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Yeah, he's a bloody character, old Grant. So uh, no, it's good stuff. All right, next part of the show: Spiro Q and A. This used to be Fast Five Facts for News, but oh, we've changed it up a bit. Never approved this. So. <laughs> <laughs> Could uh, what's the single best piece of advice you've ever been given while spearfishing? You know, I, racking my brains, I can't actually think of any great advice. <laughs> okay, yeah, so we'll have to okay. move on. Yeah, it sounds like sounds like you've dived with a lot of guys like Turbo, so he's got nothing. Good to say. <laughs> so I just saw something shiny. Uh, so okay, well, who's been the most influential person or people in your spearfishing? Who, who did you um, who did you start off? Sort of, um, you know, um, who was your mentor? Copying or learning off, yeah. Well, I, I think the most in, um, influential person is definitely uh, my dive buddy. Um, I started diving with him 20 years ago, um, and we we still dive together here in the UK today. Um, oh wow! And we, you know, we push each other and encourage each other. We both enjoy a bit of the the, the, the sort of deeper spear fishing, so um, you know, we um, we we. Uh, we sort of um, you've got yeah, a hard each other on and stuff like that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, he's, he's a good free diver. I enjoy going with him. It's also quite competitive between yeah. the two of us. We have a um, a okay. two pound bet every time we go diving. Um, uh, you know, whoever gets whoever gets the the, the the best fish of the day, the other guy's got to give him uh, two pounds. So um, there's a bit of yeah. bit of rivalry there. Um, and also on, on special events, you know, maybe on some competitions or if we're uh, away somewhere, uh, we do the penalty limoncellos. Uh, I don't know if you guys know limoncello, the, the drink. Yeah, uh, yeah I know it. Uh, I've uh, had some great yeah. times in Italy on that stuff. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's vile stuff, <laughs> I think. Yeah. But it, it actually, the, the, this, this actually comes from, from Italy. We were with a good uh, Italian friend of ours, and um, we decided that... Um, Whoever on on the day shot the best fish got to have um, a, uh, a a nomination for someone else to drink a, a limoncello. And then uh, <laughs> at the end of the holiday, we tallied these all up and uh, we each uh, dished out our, our, our penalty limoncellos to the other guys. And uh, yeah, <laughs> that sounds so like that's a messy become day. also a, a bit of a standard between us. You know that uh, on special events we'll be dishing out penalty limoncellos. <laughs> Oh, uh, good stuff. All right. So, what, what's your um, what's your buddy's name there? You got to dob him in. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, his name's Ross. Ross Gilfillan. Uh, okay. And he's a uh, he's a South African as well, is he? Originally. Yeah, yeah. I um, I met him in in Durban uh, when I first moved there in '97. Um, yeah, right. We were sort of uh, I was I was busy kitting up uh, on the shore and I saw this guy. And he was kitting up on on the shore, so we we got chatting and. Uh, and we decided to to swim out together. So we we swam out. Um, we were both, you know, pretty new at it, very new at it, really, and uh, hadn't shot much and didn't 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 know too much about it. And um, so um, swam out, and he managed to shoot a small um, 
uh, uh, little barracuda, sea pike as they call them there. Um, and he said the way he had got it was to swim down on the bottom, to the bottom, and then swim as far as he could along the bottom. And then uh, he managed to, to, to shoot this fish. So we thought, wow, this is the technique to use for, for spearfishing. So we were going down and then <laughs> swimming fast along the bottom as far as we could to try and find a fish. Yeah. So, um, yeah, <laughs> things, uh, things developed from there. But, uh, yeah. yeah, so I've been diving with him ever since. That's, uh, yeah, 20 years now. 20-year bromance, uh, that that's gives something oh. Turbo and I to aim at. Mate, it's a <laughs> 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 All right, last, you, last question, Kevin. Then we're, uh, probably seven, six, something like that. Man, have we had some blow-ups. <laughs> 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 oh, six or seven years. Thankfully, there's never much competition, Kev. He knows I'm always going to outshoot him. It's He's just, taking uh, the kids, I'm taking the house next time. <laughs> Uh, all right, last question. <laughs> last question, Kev. So, if you had to start out all over again, what would you do differently? I don't know. Um, I, I don't think I'd do anything differently. I mean, it's been a, a, a long, hard uh, journey for me. You know, uh, I suppose like anyone, it, 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 there's a, so much to learn. I, I still feel like I, I've got a huge amount still to learn. So. Um, yeah, yeah. Still, very much feel like I'm on the the, the, the steep slope of the learning curve. So um, yeah, 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 I'm still enjoying it, but I, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't do anything differently as such. It's uh, it's good to learn. I things, think it's part uh, of what, sometimes the hard way. It's part of what makes it such an appealing sport. You're you're always learning something and pushing yourself. So awesome, yeah, exactly. uh, awesome chatting with you today, Kev. Look, if um if listeners want to come and find you somewhere, Kev, where's the best place they can do that? Um, well, I, I do have some. I do have a, a YouTube channel and a, a Vimeo channel. Um, I, okay. I have some videos on there. I'm not. I'm not overly prolific. Um, I sort of put okay. one or two videos a year on. Um, normally, I do a, um, a, a a review of of my highlights of the year, and I put that on on YouTube and Vimeo. Um, yeah. Okay. They're, they're reasonably long because I, I, I try and in, include a little bit of the. You know, I'm not interested in, in videos where all you just see is, is kill shot after kill shot after kill shot. Um, for me, that's yeah. got yeah, yeah, no yeah. appeal. So I, I, I try and show yeah. at least a little bit of the hunt. I mean, you, you've got to have a balance between showing the entire dive, um, which, you know, could be two, three minutes long, and, and, and with just the bit of action at the end, and, um, and just doing kill shots where you're not seeing any of the hunting. So I, I try and find a, a bit of a balance with showing some of the hunting um, and... Mm, not putting my uh, putting the audience to sleep, you know. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, and your um, and your go-to soundtracks on there. Are you using like um, some old-school Afrikaans music on there? And uh, no, no. But uh, <laughs> I might do a few shares. <laughs> if you're putting in a request, I might. <laughs> <laughs> no, no worries. I'll, I'll link up uh, your Vimeo and YouTube channels in there. What about on social? You on? Um, you want people to come and uh, join you on social anywhere, or are you? Are you a yeah, recluse I'm on like Facebook. Turbo? Yeah, I'm on Facebook, uh, so anyone's uh, you know welcome to join me on there. Um, and also, you know, if, if people are in the UK, um, I very much recommend that they they join a club. There's we've got quite a few clubs here. Um, a lot okay. of the guys who are you know coming over, they join the the London club, which is I'm, I'm involved in the London club. But there are other clubs, okay. and um, you know they should also join the British Spearfishing Association. Support us there. So um, cool. yeah, for, the, for any of the local divers, please um, please join and take part. 
Cool. All right. We'll send us through some of those links and I'll put that all in your show notes page. So if people just search Kevin Daly, they can come and find you at noobspiro.com and find the links to all those clubs and, and your videos on there. So um, any parting piece of uh, advice for our, for our listeners, Kevin? No, just, uh, yeah, just stay safe and enjoy it. Eh? Cool. Cool. Well, awesome. Awesome talking with you. Was, uh, I was really happy you made time for us and uh, I hope you're, the rest of your evening in the, uh, the bed and breakfast over there is pretty pleasant. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's getting quite late. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, thanks for I'm, chatting I'm gonna, with us. I'm, I'm going to go to sleep soon. <laughs> cool, right. cool. Thanks, Kevin. Have yeah, yourself a lemon cello and off to bed. <laughs> <laughs> all right, thanks a lot, Eggman. Right, thanks, mate. Trek, you know me, I love to pretend to read. <laughs> and even more than that, I love glossy images. And that's exactly what you get with Spearing Magazine. It's our favourite spearfishing magazine from Jeremy Gamble, uh, our guest on the Noob Spiro podcast. It's an absolute ripper and he's got a great deal for listeners here in Australia. That's right. You can get the whole back catalogue for 60 bucks Australian. If you're, if you're down south, if you're down under... And, and we'll include the South Africans in that Absolutely. as well. Love it. You, you can email Jeremy Sales at spearingmagazine.com and secure the whole back catalogue for 60 bucks. Jeremy, put this together just to help help us people down here overcome the uh, cost of shipping. So get hold of 19 issues of this top quality magazine for 60 bucks. Wow, what a great episode. Big thank you to Kevin Daly for coming on the show. I think wherever you are in the world, you would have learnt something today, picked something up from Kevin. Uh, he's an absolute gem and a wealth of knowledge, so a big thank you to Kevin Daly and a big thank you to my mate Shrek for that interview. He does a great job there at Anchor and he just doesn't get enough praise around here. So uh, thanks to Shrek Daly and Kevin Daly for making this episode fantastic. I want to use the pun daily double. It was a daily double. All right, there we go. It's out of the way. Anyways... Uh, if you enjoyed today's episode, guys, as always, get on iTunes, leave us a review. We love that. It helps us rank higher, helps people find out about us. But we'll go one further today. If you've got a mate that loves spearfishing, let them know about the show. Just one mate, even if you've got to put it on that little app on their iPhone to help them out, if they struggle with technology like Shrek does, then uh, help them out. Get them interested in the show. We love new listeners. And if you have any questions or you want to dob someone in who's an absolute cracker of a Spiro that knows their stuff, send me an email, turbo at Noob Spiro. I'll reply to that and we'll get them on the show as well. So uh, that concludes today's episode. However, next fortnight, we have another cracking episode in front of us. We're going to talk to a guy over there in South Africa, Renee Nell. Pretty sure I got that pronunciation correct. And uh, we talked to him about his uh, his brush with a great white shark. So we're going to learn what it's about, what it's like to be uh, attacked by a great white shark and live. And we've got some, uh, he sent us the footage of that, his ordeal, and it's uh, absolutely fantastic. So stay tuned. Next week, we're going to visit uh, South Africa and uh, talk to Renee Nell all about being bitten by a great white shark and surviving. I mean, this guy was on the beach with uh, with gashes and wounds all over him, laughing. I mean, he's one tough guy, so it's a fantastic episode. Thanks for listening, guys. Just remember, reviews, tell a mate about the show, get involved with the Noob Spiro, and we'll talk to you next fortnight. As we all know, every good Spiro needs a good supplier of good equipment. Now, you can find that good equipment at spearfishing.com.au. That's right, our show sponsor, Adreno. Their online store can be found at spearfishing.com.au. 
And if you use the code NoobSpira at checkout, you'll save yourself $20 on all purchases over 200 So get online and check those guys out.